Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 90. That's 10 away from 100. Good counting, well done. The podcast where we talk about photography, videography, and anything that's got anything to do with any of that with me, Kirsten Lutz, and Nick Kirby, and our special guest today, the German Christmas Stollen. Stollen. Stollen, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, alles klar. <laughs> I feel I feel the Stollen speaks to me. Well, <laughs> in my native tongue. Yeah. <laughs> What, Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> German. Don't you know, yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm eating, eating up all the crumbs already because I love this stuff. It's lovely. Yeah. It's, it's good, isn't it? Mm. Once you get started on this, mm -hmm. there's no way out. There's nothing that's going to be left. Yes, yeah, so we're a couple of weeks late with this, but I only just found it. I found it in the pantry. How? I don't know. I didn't know. I, well, I sort of forgotten that we had it. Ah, there we go. Otherwise, so it, you know, it would have come out. Yeah. <laughs> over Christmas, oh, yeah. Well, you know, on the plus side, we've got it for today. Luckily for us, mm -hmm. we have it today. There you go. It's not like it goes off anytime soon. Yeah. So I want to start this week's episode with a bit of a controversy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I've been listening, as I always do in the car, um, to some of my favorite podcasts. And uh, and then I listened to one of the podcasts, um, another photography podcast that I listen to quite regularly called Photobomb. And of course, uh, we had our dear friends, Bure Perry and... Um, and uh, Gary used on the show in the past. The link shall be up there or up there. Not sure. Somewhere up there. Um, but so I overheard them talking about cover songs and the fact that you should always, always, always play a cover song. If you cover a song, you should always play it exactly 100% as it is on the record forevermore, like a tribute band. Now, that, that sounds like a... Wait, who said this? Do you remember? I think they're both in the agreement. Really? Both in agreement, yes. So, you know. That surprises me. <laughs> Do they play in bands? Uh, Gary's a guitarist, yeah. I know, they, sure. I know they play, but mm. are they actually in, in a band? I have no idea. It doesn't sound like that. Oh, uh, well, I'll find out. I'll find out. <laughs> but so the thing, the thing is, you know, I, I thought about this, and this is like, it's one of the things that I actually teach when I teach bands, or I have taught when I've taught bands in, in the in the past. And, and so... I thought, who better to ask than you, seeing that you play in a, you know, professional mm. functions band. Mm. Like, how do you approach that on that level when you decide to cover a track? Um, well, it's, there's, because I've been doing it for so long, or, or we have been doing it for so long, you don't really think about it anymore. Mm. You just do what you think sounds good. And what I mean by that is, um, it needs to sound like the original. It needs to sound like a live version of the original mm. done by the original artist. It needs to include elements of perhaps things that people have covered before that make it sound good. If you've ever listened to a band play one of their tracks live, other than anything that's come out in the last 10, 15 years, because that's just, it's identical live as it, as mm. it is on the record. But any rock style, rock genre band, it's never the same. There's always little additions in there, things that the guitarist wanted to do that they couldn't sure. do on the record. The producer decided no, or he's come up with it since because the song's bedded in more. Because half the time they write these songs in the studio as they're recording them, things change. Hmm. They add little sections, extend little bits here and there, add something to make it a little more interesting, a little more fun. Yeah, guitar solos are a good example because, you hmm. know, some, I mean, obviously, very often, the solos are written and they're pretty much set in stone, especially when they're iconic solos. Mm. Um, and then, you know, you would sort of expect to hear that solo played as is. 
Absolutely. You know, when you go you're to the, play the main riff as it was. Yeah. But more often than not, you know, a lot of these a lot of these solos are improvised in the studio. And so mm-hmm. as a consequence, life they're always going to be a little bit different, you know, Absolutely. because because that's just the part for the guitarist to let rip, basically. Yeah. But here's the thing. You know, and I'm not saying I'm not saying Gary and Bure are wrong. Sounded sounded like you just did. <laughs> no. They're different <laughs> different opinions, of course. I get it. But I always you know, my opinion's always been I mean, yes, there is a lot to be said for covering a track and making it sound 100% a citizen on a record. It's difficult, actually. It it's really difficult to do. But the other way, the other approach is to take a song and to really change it dramatically so you really hit it out of the ballpark. Like, for example, you could take, like, Nirvana's Nevermind, for example, Smells Like Teen Spirit, right? Take Smells Like Teen Spirit and turn that into a trad jazz version. Right. Or so, a bluegrass version. Or I do something. have thoughts on all of this. Right, okay. So I'm absolutely all right with someone covering a song and playing it note for note perfect, sound for sound perfect, uh-huh. tempo for tempo perfect. All, all for that. Absolutely no issue with that in the slightest. And actually, there are times in my group that we do exactly that because it's the right thing to do for that particular song. Uh-huh. And actually changing it in the way we would typically change a song to be a bit more rocked up bit more energy in life, a bit more modern. Every Phil Collins track falls into yeah, that category. Exactly. Um, it's not always appropriate. True. That's fine. You've got to do what's appropriate. I don't mind those tracks which are done in the way you just described. I just don't like them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I just don't have an issue with it. I just oh. don't like them. I, I do like songs to be close to the original. But, and to go, oh, yeah, it's a cracking version of, just for argument's sake, Mr. Brightside. Right. Just for argument's sake. Yeah. Because it's just, it's got more energy and more life and a bit more interest to it than the original had. Mm. And if you've ever heard them, the Killers play it live, they're not a live band. Oh, no. <laughs> they're mm. not the best. Um, particularly vocally. It's Surprising. Just, oh. Yeah, they're not great. They're not great. Some parts are good, but... They've got better as the years have gone on, but I've seen so many performances where it's like, what are you, what are you doing? What is it? That's timing, is it? Is, is that the benefit? That's pitch, is it? Is that the benefit of, um, you know, changing things in the studio? Maybe. Right. See, and well, this is the other thing. I'm an engineer as well, so I, <laughs> I know exactly what happens. Uh, and you've, you've done tons of session work, right? Hmm. So it's, you, we know exactly what goes on in the studio and how things work. And, no, for sure. 100%, you know, yeah. How many how many solos have you done in a session where one one solo was what was actually used, or was it a combination of multiple different takes that you did? Um, I mean, the vast majority are composited, if you want to call it that, yeah. cut together. Yeah, for sure. Comped. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean that's you know that's that's normal. Um, a lot of the times. A lot of the times it's really a, you know, a matter of, unless the soul is written, that's a whole different yes, thing. true. But a lot of the times it's a matter of, you know, the engineer just looping <coughs> the eight bars of the solo section, you know, and you basically hit it. That's it. You know, exactly right. You, you essentially play and you jam and you record, you know, five minutes or something of it. Yeah. And then, you know, somebody goes and, and cuts the best bits together. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's very often how it works. Um, you know, I think the better you get at doing that, 
you know, the better the stuff is that you can deliver. So it doesn't have to be five minutes. It could be like 30 seconds. You know? Absolutely. And you run Absolutely. through it twice, three times and, you know, it's done or whatever. I mean, that's, you know, that's the and thing. You'll, you'll get guidance from whoever's producing the track as to the style, the type of thing that they're expecting yeah. to hear. And so, then you, you, you're you the one who's there to deliver that yeah, I, direction, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, that's, that's what a producer does. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the producer will tell you, like, you know, can you make it sound like that? I mean, often... The thing to remember, I think this is this is really one of the I think the main core skills for any session musician out there because it's not. I mean, of course, it's about being able to play well and you know not costing anybody more time and money than necessary. Um, but it's also very often a matter of being able to translate what the producer tells you Good because work. you know producers are not guitar players necessarily. Or very mm-hmm. often they're not. You know, their main instrument might be piano or but whatever, right? Uh, it might be singer or something, and so the way. And they're often, again, in the in the pop world, in the rock world, they're very often not trained musicians. So they don't yep. necessarily have the vocabulary necessarily to can, communicate. Can you make it more gritty? Can you make it more fluid? Yeah, can, can you make you, it more pokey? Yeah, good, I mean, a good, good example would be like, you know, um, you know, can you get me that brown sound? I'm like, what the hell is a brown sound? It's not the, the famous Van Halen brown sound. It's like whatever, you know, you sort of, you try to translate that into... If you into, need to go to the bathroom, you just let me know. Make <laughs> yeah. it sound like shit. So. Um... <laughs> But, uh, you know, one one producer I used to work with quite a lot, actually. I remember he used to say to me, um, can you put some country guitar on there? And when he said country guitar, I knew that what he meant was steel string acoustic. Hmm. So, and usually what he meant was just strum some of the chords, right? You know, and record a, a rhythm track like that. But that was the thing. Like, that was, you know, you'd just be able to translate what they're trying to tell you yeah. Yeah. into you know, into what they're hearing in their head, yeah. basically. And this applies to any any client that you work with in any creative kind of world, whether it's photo, video, or, or music. Yeah. And, you know, whoever's the client or the producer in this particular instance, yeah. they may not be able to communicate with you because they don't use the terminology that you, you might. And you've got to yeah. understand it. And, and like it, you said, translate. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about, you know, about working as a team, I think, um, you know, very often I can... We, we can take the stuff that we do together very often, you know, um, in in the world of photography and video. Um, it's the better you know the other person, mm. the easier it is to A, interpret what they're saying, but also to kind of almost like know in advance, to have that instinct in knowing what kind of vision yeah. the other person has, you know. That's and that's, you know, that is, that comes through experience. And, you know, and of course, I mean, again, in, in the music world, the more often, you work with the same producer, the more yeah. you know what they're looking for. Same in performance yeah. as well. If you're, because uh, I'm a bass player, I'm, you know, the the drummer is one of the most important people in the band for me hmm. um, because we need to lock. We need to be doing the same things at the same time. And we don't always know what we're going to maybe be doing in hmm. that particular song. We're going to change it. If I hear, when you know a drummer, I can I, I know what type of fill he's going to play but sometimes before he's going to do it and when he's going to do it hmm. and vice versa. So I know yeah. I need to be doing something along those lines when it comes to that, the next couple of bars, yeah. whatever it is, because I know him so well. I know how he plays and I know what he's going to do. Yeah. It's just exactly the same principle. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we, we find that a lot, I think, when we're working together on on a particular project that, you know, whilst, for instance, whilst you're busy, I don't know, setting up a camera, if it's a video product, for example, then, you know, no, no words need to be spoken. <laughs> You know, I already yeah. know what else needs doing, and I'll just get on and do it without, without the needing to be any 
it's a first degree communication necessarily. Yeah, so it. it's, you know, that, um, that's how that works. But, you know, to come back to my point, I always, you know, I always thought that taking a song and completely changing it, maybe just changing the genre, the tempo, like really taking that basic song material and changing it uh, to something completely different. There's sort of a creative art in doing that. And there, I, there is, you know, and I find that, uh, I just find it fascinating very often. It, it's quite easy to do, but it's very difficult to make it any good. It's well, very it's, difficult yeah. to make it any good. There's, um, there's a bluegrass band. Was it a Hazy Dixies or something? I can't remember. But um, Yeah, this rings a bell. Actually. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, I think they did, like, yeah. did they do something like, you know, the entire Black Album by Metallica and Bluegrass or something? Was it them? Yeah. Something like that. I forget now. Yeah. There's a few bits like that out there. It's quite good. Anyway. Yeah, there we so go. So while some stuffing my face was stolen. Gobble, gobble. Hmm. What, I'm, what I'm trying to say is. So for those on audio, he's just pointing at the moment. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to let him go <laughs> yeah, until he's I'm finished. Trying to try to <laughs> anyway, so what I'm trying to say is it's not that anybody's wrong here. It's just that some people are more right than others. <laughs> and on that bombshell, <laughs> no, we bombshell. shall move on to new topics. <laughs> and if you are listening, <laughs> if you are that one or two listeners in Florida, <laughs> then, you know, get in touch. <laughs> Let's see what you, let us know what you think. Anyway, um, so... Talking about projects, we've just spent the weekend working on an interesting one. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, in the freezing cold. Yeah, and strangely related to music again. Yeah, <laughs> go figure. No, it's, like, well. it's like we have we do stuff around music. <laughs> exactly. Every time. Yeah, so no, it was good fun. That it was good fun. So the thing was, we um, well, we were working on some band photos for a band for a local band, and. Um, we had a really cool location. So the location was um, a motor, motorcycle workshop mm. um, that was owned by a, a guy who's like a, a Harley Davidson and British motorcycle expert sort of thing. And it's this really cool workshop that's like, you know, a little bit greasy, very gritty, but it has some real cool gems of like custom bikes in there and all the rest of it. So really Actually, a cool location to shoot. Had to a do great a look in. about it, didn't it? Great smell, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oil. Yeah. Superb. Now, had a great look to it. Absolutely fantastic look to it. And so the idea, right, was uh, so this was a, a band shoot, but the idea was to not make it look like a band as yeah. such. I mean, it's always going to look like a band. There's no getting away from that when it's... There's five guys uh, in the picture, so it's going to be the Chip and Dale's. It's going to be a band, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> <So>. um, <laughs> oh, God. See, oh, no. See, you were in the photo as well. And now I've got you as a Chip and Dale <laughs> in my head. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so that, I mean, that was the other difficulty because I was actually in the photo too. Oh, um, dear God. So that made it, you know, made it special. But, um, yeah, the, the idea was really to really approach it like an environmental portrait, really. Yeah. Um, which is really what the fun was, you know, and then to make it very subtle, um, the fact that it was it was a band in a photo. Yeah, yeah. So there were uh, three shots, all in all. Yeah, so we did three setups. Um, and it was one of them, wasn't it, that had instruments dotted around the photo. Yes, but that was sort of hidden and yeah. blended in with the background. So the idea was really to, you know, you have to look really, really hard if you want to find any musical 
you know, links there or instruments yeah. or something. Um, it was really, really about the location, about the motorbike stuff and everything. Um, and, you know, th- I think for me, bigger shoots like that, <coughs> which, uh, you know, which require <laughs> lots of gear and lots of hands on deck and assistance and all the rest of it. The fun uh, for me is that, you know, you have this planning stage and then, of course, you've got the execution part and the post-production. And when it all comes together at the end, you know, when it comes together in the way that you had imagined it at the beginning, that's really where where the, the, the fun, for me, is. It's the process of this, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. And you, it's funny, isn't it? How many jobs you do like that that don't always come out exactly how you envisaged. Sure. But it's almost... Um, it's, it's almost shocking to a certain extent when it does come out exactly how you pictured or better, you know, or better yeah, or better. Yeah. Um, cause it's normal, you know, you know, I say that in a way that it's per, you know, it is actually perfectly normal for the final result to be slightly different to yeah. what you may have imagined going into the shoot when you're planning to begin with, because mm. things just change on the day. You know, you may not have had as much chance to do a recce around the place and understand what's going on. Yeah. Time of day that you were there may have been ever so slightly different, and whatever it might be. Well, the weather was a factor in this. Weather one, was a factor, especially in this for one. the for the first setup. So the idea was really, you know, we did three setups: one um, outside the workshop, you know, shooting in, which basically meant that the camera would be set up out, outside, and it was very weather dependent. This one, um, because had it rained we would have basically dropped that first setup and moved on straight to the second setup, which would have been yeah. inside yeah. the workshop. And then the third setup was um, just sort of a straight up, you know, band portrait, basically. Yeah. Um, so, but as, as luck would have it, the weather was actually really good on Sunday. And it was, I mean, it was maybe a little too sunny. It was too good. <laughs> yeah, it was too good. That's right. <laughs> Clear blue sky and sun is the one thing you virtually never get in this yeah. country happened on Sunday morning. And, um, and so it actually meant we had to flag out the sun, you know, and, uh, and all the rest of it. So it's, which actually fell over at one point, didn't it? Cause these, one of the sandbags had got moved or, or something like That's that. That's the window picked up. Yeah. Oh wait, no, this was a softbox that came down, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 That's funny. Yeah. The wind picked up as well. So that was a, that was another thing. Luckily yeah. nobody got hurt. Yeah. Health and safety on set. And we finished that part of the shoot anyway. So yeah. yeah. And everything, nothing got broken, so it's all good. No, but it missed it missed me actually by like hair, you know. Yeah, and you've got a lot of hair. Yeah, so, <laughs> so um, but you know, the whole fun, the whole fun there is that you know you always come up against problems on the set like that, and the fun part is overcoming those problems mm. there and then, um, because no matter how much you pre-plan in advance, you can't really take all the eventualities into consideration Absolutely. or into account. And then that's where experience kicks in a little bit. That's right, isn't it? The more you've done it, the more different little issues yeah. you've come across, the quicker you're going to be able to solve it there yeah. and then. And that's what you want, in particularly when you're in front of a client, right? Yeah. It's Exactly. You know, a pro- they, clients aren't, aren't stupid. They know problems are going to happen. You know, it's your job to you know, uh, course correct or fix or whatever yeah. it might be as quickly as you can. And yeah. hopefully without the client even knowing. So there's no added pressure on them. And it's also, you know, the added part of managing your client's expectations. That's mm. the other thing. So, you yeah. know, if you, for instance, in, in, in this case, we staggered the arrival times 
for example, although that didn't work because everybody wanted to be there right from the start, so everybody just showed up. <laughs> no, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> but the you know the, the thing was, we knew that there was going to be a lot of hanging around for people, yeah. especially for the talent as it were, because there was a lot of setup and there were a lot. There was a lot of gear and a lot of moving parts um, that we had to check out first. Um, so, you know, once I think when you manage your clients' expectations and you make them understand that that's how it's going to be in order to get the result that they want, then everybody's on the same page and everybody knows yeah. what to expect, you know. Um, otherwise, tempers can get impatient and yeah. things like and, that. And those so. guys were good as gold in that respect, right? Absolutely. They're insanely patient. Yeah. Um, that, that being said, as shoots go, it went smooth as anything and quick. Yeah, and too. we also we had, a, we had a new assistant, Mm. On set as well, which was super helpful. Guarov really helpful. Came down to uh, to help us and brought his own Harley. Everybody has a Harley around here. What's going on? And there's me. Can't <laughs> stand. Actually, no, it's a lie. I I love looking at bikes. I love the design. I love everything about them. The push bikes, yeah. But yeah. But will I? I will never get on one. Really? Okay. No, 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 no. Not for me. No. That's all. Not for me. I just drive fast cars instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, I mean, it, it was very impressive. I mean, not only the, we had a heart with, well, no, we had, when I mean, there were four Harleys right there, yeah. um, there was a Triumph, a Triumph yeah. and then there were more custom bikes and stuff in, yeah. the, in the front of the shop. Yeah. So, it, you know, it was, <coughs> um, it, it was rather <coughs> impressive. And, uh, you know, I can, I, mean, I don't know, maybe it's a midlife crisis type of a thing, mm. but I can, I can imagine riding a bike, no problem. Absolutely. I wouldn't really... I mean, I'm not even that fast a driver. I wouldn't really, although, you know. Well, do, do, do you really want to get onto that? Yeah, I got another speeding ticket. There you go. But anyway. Um, he only wanted his wife to take the points. Yeah, I'm joking, so, joking. That never happened. I mean, I don't know how you can even call that speeding. It's like 34 in a 30 zone. So it's not even really speeding. It's 30 for a reason, Kay. What? Yes. <laughs> there were no children or school children around. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, different story. Um, you know, I mean, the whole... The ambience there was cool. Mm. You know, the location was cool. The bikes really worked out. Um, and uh, and the end result, especially for the main shot that we'll, you know, that we'll talk about a little bit, um, actually, yeah, it turned out the way I had anticipated it turning out, although we ended, we ended up shooting it slightly differently from the way I had kind of planned on shooting it. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. we'll put the main shot up now. So what's happening in here is that we essentially have three parts to the image. Um, we have the two riders on the side, on the left and right. Riders on the storm. That's where the drum groove comes in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got two riders on the on the side of the, the the main entrance to the workshop, and then of course we've got the characters inside. Mm -hmm. Um, so fixing, or, you know, huddling around, fixing a bike. Um, this really, originally I had planned on doing all that in one shot. Yeah. But we ran into some problems lighting the interior of the workshop because it was just really narrow. It's like a long tube, you know, it was like this narrow. And it's it difficult, wasn't it? Long. It was so bright outside and so dark yeah. inside. And so, it just got darker and darker. Exactly. So the contrast was just, you know. too much. It was way too much. So we're like a really bright, sunny day out. And, um, and really not a, light, not a lot of light getting into the 
into the version. We yeah. tried lots of different things. This is the thing, you know, you've got to, sometimes you just got to experiment a little bit. Um, well, that was the thing, wasn't it? We took some time to set up a few lights inside as well. Um, yeah. Where, I mean, it was very narrow in there. So there's only yeah. so much you can do to keep them out of shot. And, you know, there's, you can only spend so long doing that and just know in yourself that, you know what, we could spend another hour and still not get this working. Yeah. Time to change tact. Yeah, I mean, we'd build in some extra time because we knew this yeah. was going to be a tricky yeah. shot um, generally. But, um, you know, I think we're getting to the point where we had to make some decisions. We tried out different setups for this one um, and nothing wasn't really working well enough. We could have done it in one shot. No, you know, but it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been quite as, you know, as good as, as I'd imagine it to be. So we in the end I decided let's just, let's just do it as a composite. Mm -hmm. And so what we actually have is like three images that are composited together here. We've got the two writers on the side, they're actually from different takes. So um so those are two images, and the third image is really just the interior yeah. um, of the workshop. So we shot the exterior basically with soft boxes and the interior we just shot um with a little nine inch reflector that you and you were booming in the light that was heavy <laughs> that was heavy that was very heavy um and then i forget were there any other speed lights on the inside other than at the back it, so we're just gelling the back on this one yeah it was yeah. just it was just a couple of gels weren't there there was no other ungelled no. speed light in no, there, was right there. yeah yeah. yeah, so we basically had, I mean, all in, you know, if you count, if you count all three setups in this, and you know, all in are five lights, I think, at work. No, yeah. six, sorry, six lights. Yeah. You know, three backlights, uh, three um, speed lights. One, two, three, the four, background. It's got three in the back and then two softbox on the outside yeah. and then you booming there i'll tell you what really that did make a difference was actually turning those fluorescent lights on in the end not to give light sure because they didn't yeah. and they're obviously awful but it really adds for me it adds a lot of depth to that room that you yeah. wouldn't have got otherwise yeah the ceiling was a really tricky ceiling in there mm. um because it was so on the piss as well isn't it? well yeah so it's low <laughs> and under piss in british english Basically means it wasn't straight. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So the ceiling wasn't actually straight at all. Um, you can actually see it in the image. Um, so it's slanting slightly to one side, but um, but it was also you know it had, like beams coming across and it was like cables, whatever. So um, so yeah. these these ceiling lights actually did add something to it. Absolutely. Um, and seeing that we were booming in the key light anyway, it made. But it didn't have any impact on like color temperature or anything. Oh, like that. Totally. So, yeah. You know, um, I forgot to ask yesterday. Did you? Uh, how did you replace the sky? Was that? Um, did you manually do? Like, did you use Photoshop Sky replacement? Oh, Photoshop Sky replacement. Yeah, and it worked. Did it work all right? Very well. Yeah. Oh, good. It's definitely. But since Photoshop introduced that, maybe like a year ago or something, it has gotten better. It's got even better. Isn't yeah. It? The yeah, I haven't used it much lately. So it's where it's gotten better is uh, when you have things like antennas or something. Ah. On rooftops because it used to cut out a little bit of the you know um, sure. the, the rods or something but it's gotten yeah it's gotten a lot more precise mm. uh, you can of course always go back because you save it as separate layers so you can always go back in yeah and manually um, you know fix this but actually this was pretty much pretty much like a one good. shot sort of thing good good um yeah no no problem at all 
Um, was there any other drastic editing on on this other than what you would do standard? Um, not really. I I like quite a punchy look. Yeah. Um. So really, you know, it was a matter of just balancing off the interior against the exterior. Um, and then the other thing that had to be done because it's not like that in as far as the location is concerned is I had to straighten the sidewalk. Hmm. So mm-hmm. that's because of the way this is laid out. Actually, um, the the sort of the sidewalk is at an angle. Yeah. And it just didn't really work. Looked off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So you, uh, you had to get these horizontal lines, and especially because we've got this yellow line on the tarmac as well. Yeah. Then the sidewalk, and then you've got the top edge. You've got the you know the full bore sign on the top. So it really had to all match. Um, it just you know. So, but again, that's super easily done. In fact, um, I did that in Lightroom. Oh actually. really? Yeah. Um, so that worked exceptionally well. Absolutely no problem. Um, it didn't really get any perspective distortion or anything. Cool. It, was, it did a really good job. Um, yeah, and that was that was pretty much it. The other thing I always like to do, we did three shots, like, again, three setups, and I've hidden the band name in each one of the shots. I saw it on two of them. I don't recall it on the third one. Yeah. Oh, I'll, sh- I'll show you on the third one. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall it. I don't know. I'm not sure why. Uh, let me see. Find the third can... shot again. Let's. Uh... Ah, did not pick up on that. Nope. And we're not going to tell you where it is either. You're going to have to try and find it for yourself. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so yeah, it's the idea was really to keep all these things super subtle. Um, in this one. So. So yeah, so it was an interesting shoot. Um, it was really super fun. I, you know, personally, I just like those mm. those kind of shoots. Um, and, uh, you know, it's also made me think that we should be doing a lot more environmental portraits like that and shoots like this, um, in 2022. Absolutely. You know, um, especially when, you know, you have a really cool location, uh, you have some cool props essentially, cause that's what the motorbikes are essentially are props. The reason why this all went down, um, like this and the reason why motorbikes are so heavily featured is because really three in a band are real motorcycle mm. yep. fans, you know, yep. and, um, and the motorbikes that you see in here, or especially the red Harley on the left and the, the triumph on the right are actually owned by, yeah by those guys. So, so. you know, so th- there's a, there's a big kind of biker connection in this, which made it mm. even more fun because everybody was really into the idea and, you know, and, uh, I think everybody came up with the goods really yeah wicked it was it was definitely so i think you know our plan for 2022 is to find locations like this and you know well put shots together. there's no excuse really is there because they are accessible and you know i think it's very rare take the 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 owner of the shop here it's quite rare for to to approach and say look we'd really like to do this on one of your days that you're shut yeah they're not going to say no they're very rarely going to say no well, because it's, it's great for them. They get a shop for their yeah. their shop as well. Yeah. I mean, let's say, you know, you'd be surprised how often people would say yes. Yeah. To something like that. So, you know, it's... And you it's, don't ask, you don't get. Yeah, it's just a, you know, I think it's about really coming up with the the creative brief. It's, yeah, it's having a good concept for it. You know, and, yeah. um, and then really just 
you're trying to trying to pull it all together. But there were a lot of moving parts in this actually, mm. uh, in terms of like availabilities and that was a bit of a nightmare, wasn't it? You know, and timings and this and that. But in the end, you know, it really all came together. And maybe, perhaps surprisingly, we finished on time as well. Early. Well, yeah. Technically. Technically speaking, yeah, we finished early. We actually so. packed up and out by four. Yeah. Very so, good. Uh, so very, really very good. Bang on the money. Which was a... We didn't want to overrun because it started getting dark then as well. Yeah, that would have... And yeah. that would have just made things just that little extra yeah. complex. But it was the reason why we had to finish at that time because half an hour later and it would have... Yeah. Just, you know, the sun would have been gone. I mean, you know, that was one of the reasons why we <clears throat> started with the exterior shot. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. because had we had we tur- had we flipped it on its head and, and done the exterior shot last, you know, with the sun changing or the light conditions changing so quickly at that time, around about that time, I mean, it would have just been a, night- a nightmare. Yeah, just- just, just not worth the hassle, is it? Literally every three minutes, you yeah. like reset everything. It was, yeah. and and the thing is, right? It may have been okay if it would have been one shot, mm. but then trying to work out and fixing those issues that we need to fix, and then having to do a composite, it never would have worked. Yeah, it would have, it would have looked too different. Yeah, it would have been tricky. So it would have um, taken too long to take the three different shots. So yeah, yeah. yeah so planning, planning two different shots. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Wicked. So, yeah. Interesting thing. I, I, hopefully I've put all of those shots up as we've been talking. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We've got a little um, behind the scenes clip yeah. for well, you see, as well. This was the great thing about having an assistant uh, at the weekend was that I could actually focus a bit more on getting a bit, bit more BTS. Well, I mean, that was a part of the plan was that we would shoot behind the scenes footage. Yeah. Um, because the plan is... That on the YouTube channel, camera, you know, youtube.com forward slash camera shake, of course, if you haven't checked it out, make sure you're there. Um, we'll, also, we'll also put out more behind the scenes yep. um, videos this year. So that's the other plan for 2022. Um, because we did that a few weeks ago, uh, I think between Christmas and New Year. Um, that was, you know, very well received. So we're going to continue doing that. Um, so we can, first of all, give you an insight into what we do, but also... You know, hopefully there'll be some learning opportunities exactly. in that whole thing Absolutely. as well. So, yeah, something to look forward to this year. But so we we had to shoot that. And of course, what that means is it immediately takes you out of the picture because you're busy doing that. And so then there's immediately a need for another assistant um, because, because you just need, I mean, the, the biggest problem in this case was that I was actually in the photo myself. So yep. you immediately need a trigger man or yeah. a woman, you know, a trigger person. To pull the trigger. Was he on the grassy knoll? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> hiding behind a fence. What is a grassy knoll anyway? What's a grassy? Know. It's a grassy hill. Well, it's like yeah. an embankment, basically. Yeah. 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 Why, why was it called that back then? I think that's what it's actually called there. Oh, is that right? Like, that's that what it the, is. Yeah, that's the actual location name mm. with the picket fence on the, on the top mm-hmm. or something. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Where, legend has it, another gun was found. Yeah. And gun smoke was seen or something. Of course it was. It probably never happened. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so, so yeah, so, um, you know, recording or, you know, filming. <laughs> Sorry, it's just reminded me of <laughs> so random. Did you, did you ever used to watch Red Dwarf? Uh, sometimes, yeah. There was an episode of Red Dwarf where they, they go back in time and they go back to that um, when he was shot. Oh, really? And they keep landing on different floors of the book depository. They knock the gunman out, and then so they have to 
um, they let him take the shot, but then they work out that they need to be over somewhere else to make sure that it all happened. Right. But they actually had him shoot himself oh. from the grassy knoll. <laughs> oh, no. was, hey, I won't spoil it anymore. It's worth going to watch. Very funny. Very, very funny. Anyway, carry on. I want to stuff in my face again. For a had to be done. All right. We've only gotten through half of that. I know. Yeah. Got lunch to have in a Exactly. So, um, yeah. So, all in. I think it was a really successful shoot. It was super fun. Um, we'll definitely do more of that. Yeah. And have a feeling there'll be more motorbike-related um, content to mm, come as sure. well. Yeah, it's good fun. Very good fun. So, the idea for this shoot is um, there's actually, we're shooting three different setups. So, one is a wide setup, like a wide angle off the exterior of the shop, looking into the actual workshop. And so we've got some Harleys and some Triumph and a bunch of really cool motorcycles um, going around here. So we're going to place all of that. Uh, we're going to set up the interior a little bit. Uh, and after that, we're going to go inside, go do another setup inside our workshop um, before we'll do just a you know pretty regular kind of group portrait type of thing of the band um, indoors. That's it for now. The idea is we're fixing this bike. Right. The guys are waiting outside impatiently. We've got to fix this bike. So as we're doing this, we don't want to look at the camera, but we want to engage with each other. You obviously know when I press the shutter button because you hear the beep and you see the lights flash. Every time, every time the light goes, change one thing. So change your head. So if you change your head, don't change your hands. If you want to change your hand, don't change your head. Does that make sense? Just one thing at a time. Okay, here you go. Ready? It's the hardest thing in the world to do this, I assure you. <laughs> Why do I hate you? Because you love it when I ask you to operate the porn, right? <laughs> it's a porn, babe. <laughs> Excellent. Let's go. Loving it. Okay, loving ready? It, loving it, loving it. This is the fun part that nobody ever tells you about, which is the loading and unloading. I've never seen you unload in your life. <laughs> okay, what are you doing? We've gone from low to a higher angle. That's what we're doing. <laughs> the sun is still Because uh, decisiveness is my strength. Every time. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool, perfect. Okay, bring your chin up. Okay, turn your head this way. That's it, cool, hold it exactly like that. I'm supposed to wear a patch on my good eye. <laughs> Little 35 manual, picked out for nothing. Beautiful. 2.8 as well. You can use it? No, it works perfectly, man. It looks great. Really? I'm actually wondering whether I'm going to use that today. Do it. Yeah, so manual focus, sir. And then we're going to be huddled around this bike. Right. And it's going to be like some musical bits strewn around somewhere. Um, but that means we're going to have to bring the lights to approximately probably here. Right. Um, I just need a little bit of space if we can move stuff around. So if we move this bike out, then we can probably move this back a little bit. Okay. I'm just going to rent right up. <laughs> if I see a take that I like. Oh, you just going to... I'll just make a note. Yeah. Note of the number. Okay. 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 Malcolm in here. Malcolm needs to strip off, mate. Malcolm! Well, the whole idea basically is, you know, we don't really know what the hell's going on. All what we're doing, because we're like the seven dwarfs. <laughs> so there's a lot of like... We're solving the problem, Mel. Yeah. There's yeah. the problem. The problem's right. just there. Yeah. Yeah. And 
go. Let's do one really nice one and go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> Always wanted to be in a band. There you mm -hmm. are now. <laughs> yeah. Down the lens, yes. Make sure we don't have any things popping. Well, I think we have a look. I think we can. So I hope you enjoyed that little behind the scenes snippet. Snippet. Exactly. Snippet. Snippet. Um, okay, so what did you get for Christmas? What did I get for Christmas? Uh, I don't really remember. <laughs> was it that good? That's a Canadian whiskey, right? <laughs> right? It was that good. That's right. I tried a little bit of that again last night, funny. Oh, enough. did you? I did, yeah. Oh, right. I'm yeah. surprised you got any left. Yeah. Um, I'm tame with my whiskey. -ish. Are you? No, I remember no, I'm differently. I'm not. <laughs> Um, I've just bought myself a present. Okay. Actually, I bought myself a load of audio stuff recently, um, right. stuff to sell and all that. But, um, uh, so cause I got my new Mac through, um, yeah. a few weeks back or three or four weeks ago, whenever it was now, um, I thought I should probably get myself a color checker calibrator. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I bought that. That's arriving today, funnily enough. Okay, which one did you rather, get? Than, rather than having to borrow borrow yours, okay. well, I should probably own one. Um, got the, so because I use Xrite's um, video passport. Oh yeah. Um, when we shoot, I figured I'd get an Xrite. All right. The Xrite color check cal color checker calibrator. Right. Go on, try saying that fast. Color checker calibrator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. So we'll see. We'll okay. See what happens. I had to get the more expensive version because my Mac screen will go to like. Um, fifteen hundred nits, right? And the regular version only goes up to a thousand, right? But this will do a peak like fifteen hundred something like that. So I thought I may right. as well future proof slightly, yeah, and get yeah, a slightly more expensive one. Um, yeah. So we'll see because it's I'm not because I used yours for a while on my previous Mac. Mm. I got really used to it, yeah, and the color, yeah, yeah. and I'm really noticing it on this this screen now, yeah, to the point where it's a bit of a problem. Yeah, it's amazing what you get used to, it's, isn't it? You know, if you are not color calibrating your screen, you really should. Mm -hmm. that's, that's all I can say. It's it's a difference, like day and night, and it's actually, you know, made my life so much easier. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Color grading without it now is 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 trickier. I remember the days, like you know, before before I calibrated my monitors and. Um, or we used to, um, I used to do an edit and I would send it to my phone. Mm -hmm. And I'd know <clears> at the time that it would always display warmer on the phone than it does, that it did on my, on my screen, on my MacBook screen at the time. And so I always used to, um, edit everything slightly colder, mm -hmm. you know? And of course it was a pretty idiotic thing to do because if you just calibrate your screen, it'll look pretty darn similar on all devices. And this is exactly what's, you know, what happened was now I can rely on my screen. I send, you know, I send a, I send the image to my phone just as a check basically. Yeah. And, uh, and it really looks the same. It looks identical. This is, so. so I like, I liken this to, um, mixing audio, yeah, right? Correct. If mm. you mix in a room, which is untreated, that yeah. has no acoustic treatment whatsoever, or you're not using some kind of software to, 
flatten out your room because rooms are horrendous. Mm. They make everything sound bad. That's just what they do mm. in certain areas. And, you know, you might get a massive base peak at 100 and then a massive trough at mm. like 300 and you just don't, you, everything just starts sounding hollow maybe or, mm. or really bass heavy or really harsh, whatever it might be. So unless you fix all of that, you're on an absolute hiding to nothing. No mm. matter what you do, you can make it sound as good as you possible. It will sound rubbish everywhere else. Mm. So you've got to fix that stuff first. Otherwise, you're never going to. You're, this is why people give up mixing and go, you know, I can't do this. It's because they're shooting themselves in the foot to, be, to begin with mm. because they're not fixing the problems, the environmental problems, let's say, no. um, before moving ahead. And they don't understand why is it not translating to the car or to headphones or that's why. It's not mm. that you're necessarily making bad decisions or doing something wrong. It's because your room is telling you something completely different to what's actually there. Mm. And it's not your fault. This is exactly the same. You can try and color grade a video or edit a photo on an uncalibrated screen and you're just scratching your head. Why is this not looking right? Yeah. everywhere else <laughs> why does it look different then you put it on facebook and everything changes yeah, yeah yeah so unless you for the sake of you know the spider one is it is spider isn't it mm -hmm. that's what 100 quid uh, yeah well i mean there's different versions and whatever but, yeah. but, but you can get yeah, one for 100 quid sure. 150 mm. quid 200 quid wherever it might mm. this, the one i got is 200 quid i think yeah. um all right it might on the surface seem like a lot of money for something that you pretty much just do once or can just do once and then just periodically update it. But the money saved in terms of your sanity well, and getting things to look, it, things translating across devices is, that's priceless. Well, I mean, there's that, of course, but there's also, you know, the little fact that if you are working for clients, you need to be able to deliver something that you can guarantee looks exactly that on their screen looks, you know, as close to what you originally intended. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's just no other way yeah. that you can, that you can guarantee that. And, so. and that's the thing to remember as well. And you, you actually, you notice this more with video than you do with, mm. with, with, with photos, I think, um, because it's a, a moving image. And I think people, you know, there's something about it. You just notice it a little bit more is that it will never look the same on two devices. Yeah. No matter what you do, it just will not look the same. It's going to look different. The video is going to look different on my Mac screen mm. to my external monitor, to my phone, to my TV, between browsers. You know, I don't even want to get started on that. You know where I notice that the most when it comes to um, portraits, for example, is headshots. Mm -hmm. Like especially anything that has a lot of skin tone in it. Right. I really, really notice it. Yeah. You know, skin tone, actually, to be more specific, anything that has a lot of Caucasian skin tone mm -hmm. in it. Um, I always find it really, really noticeable because you can immediately detect a slight green shift yeah. or when it's too warm or when it's too cold. You know, like that's that to me is the biggest tell, you know, telltale basically. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, and especially when it comes to headshots, I want to make sure that the client, there are always slight differences between monitors and all the rest of it, you know, of course, mm -hmm. but with, within you know, within a certain range, you should be able to guarantee that, you know, what the client sees is actually what mm -hmm. you intended in the, in the first instance, you know, and, uh, and it really there's no other way to do that other than to, to calibrate your exactly. screen. So if you're not calibrating your screens, go ahead and, uh, and do that. And we're not yeah. sponsored by, Spy no. by Spider or anybody else. 
that's just you know a good piece of advice but i will feedback on the x right one um in due course as to yeah. how i find it cool and where it's worth it see now that i'll actually have my own i, I don't know if it has because you no know, yours has that light meter on it as well doesn't it so you keep it connected yes you can it will it. adjust it based on your ambient light it as was, it yeah, changes, it was, right? yeah and that works really well for me because um where my my editing station setup is um the lighting conditions change dramatically because yeah. you know due to the day i have a lot of daylight and but I do like editing at night and I do like to turn some ambient lights on and stuff just to, you know, get the vibe. Yeah. Um, and it does, it does actually work quite well. Now, I got something interesting for Christmas. Let me guess. Um, Stollen? <laughs> <laughs> well, had I known. No, I got this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an Instax. It's a Fujifilm Instax Mini 40 camera. And I've grown to love this thing. So I love the feel of it. I love the look of it. I love um, the, the, what it produces. There is one thing I hate about it. What's that? And with a passion, hate. It's the viewfinder. <laughs> yeah, the viewfinder is... Because uh... I actually have, and you can take this how you will, I actually have quite long eyelashes. And unless I hold my eye open like that, I can. Ba I basically can't see through your viewfinder. <laughs> it's, it's it's a really basic. Um, it looks great. It's a really basic instant camera. Um, it's interesting though. It's got the really. It's got the uh, you know the retro vintage look going mm -hmm. for itself. Um, Fuji brought this out uh, last year now in twenty twenty one, and uh, it's if you want to get into Instax photography, it's like you know. Polaroids, if you want to call that, um, then this is a really good yeah. way to uh, to get to it. Yeah, doesn't yeah, break yeah. the bank either. It's relatively uh, inexpensive. And um, it's super awesome. It has literally no controls, which is the oh. other thing I love about it. It has one button that um, turns the whole thing on. And, uh, and it has the shutter button here. The flash always fires. Always, regardless. Mm -hmm. um, and the only the only other thing you can do is you can pull the lens out into selfie mode, and then you can take a selfie of yourself. And what's so, that doing to the lens at that point? It just changes the focusing. Uh, no, it changes the focusing distance. So it's it's basically it's a sixty okay, mil lens, fine. right? Um, obviously, there's no zoom or anything. Yeah, it's, sixty mil. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. So it's a sixty mil lens, um, which in since it's instant, so the equivalent in full frame would probably be roughly about 35, give or take, 34, 35 mil. Um, so it's it's a wide enough focal range you know, that will work uh, for most things. Um, and it has a little selfie mirror on the front. So you can actually, oh, once yeah. you pull this out, you know, you can look at yourself and then take a photo. Yeah. Which is, uh, which is very cool. So it's... Um, it takes about 90 seconds for that to, to develop. Roughly. Just out of interest, how, how much did that just cost you? Okay, well, so cost, that's... Let's talk about cost. Okay, so, I mean, you know, um, so you can get Instax films, especially Instax mini films in, in like, you know, in packs. So, you know, a film of two, so each film allows you to take 10 shots. Mm -hmm. um, a pack of two... Is roughly in the UK, it's about 14 pounds, 15 pounds. So it costs you about seven, seven pounds per film. So that's 70 so p, pence. 70 okay. pence, um, you know, UK sterling. 
Um, oh, I'm glad you think I'm worth 70p. Oh. Very, very nice. So, you know, I want you to put that by the side of your bed, please. <laughs> Um, the, the interesting thing about this though is you can get different packs of films. So like you can get a, a two pack and then a five pack and so on. But weirdly, um, I did a comparison and it turns out that whenever you buy a, a pack of two films, it's always going to work out cheaper than anything else. So if you buy a pack of five, it's actually more expensive per photo than, than it is to buy a pack of, of two. And the funny thing is you can get, you can get a pack, pack of, of two as in. Two, two shots. No, two films. Oh, two films. Two films. Yeah. yeah. So you can get a pack of four films, which is actually more expensive than two packs of two. That does not make any sense. So, you know. Just get, they'll, they'll cotton onto that. Go bulk buy them. <laughs> Amazon, you know, if you're, if you're listening, <laughs> you know, get multiple packs of two. That's the cheapest way. Um, so it'll be about 70p roughly um, per shot. I, you know, one thing I think, though, is that it's, it's possibly a mistake to think Think of it as an expensive way to take pictures. Um, I think you just you just have to have some fun with it. Yeah. And we definitely, you know, as a as a family, we had a lot of fun. I mean, one of the things that's really very rewarding is um, you know something I've done a lot with this over the last few weeks is that I've taken pictures. It's of, 10p towards it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know, I've taken pictures of other people and I've then given them the shot, mm-hmm. and um, that's always, you know got a really really positive warm reaction like for instance you know i took i took a picture of um of my stepdaughter with the dog that's a really cute picture you know i gave it to her she was that made her super happy yeah uh, same with you know my youngest daughter um and so on and so forth and you know um, my mom it's a great thing you know when i when i brought my mom to the airport um you know to say goodbye we just took a quick selfie of the two of us together you know um and i gave her that shot you know as a little mm-hmm. you know souvenir sort of thing it's it's a really great thing for that it's fantastic for that yeah 100 percent. you know and the it's so easy to use i mean it's ridiculously easy to use you know it's the mini 40 is um it's the same as the the mini 11 basically the same technology it's just a different body okay right the mini 11 looks quite sort of plasticky looks a bit pokemon mm. you know um this one is really exactly the same camera but you know no frills um it's would you do like i think they do like a you know an extra case like a vintage looking case that you can you get for that this is all about the vintage look um there really are no settings on it you can't set anything you can't you know change focus or uh, change exposure it's really as as simple as it gets and the viewfinder is a really good example for that because it's the simplest of optical viewfinders you could possibly have in any camera because um, it really does nothing. Yeah, and it, <laughs> no. it's the size of. I mean, look, how big would you say that is? That you got to look through. Yeah, it's very small. I mean, it's really small. <laughs> it's tiny. Um, you know, it's it's a quarter of a size of a regular camera yeah. viewfinder. Right? The film is, you know, it couldn't be easier to load. It's basically um, a cartridge. Get, can you get different film? As it, and what I mean by that is, oh. perhaps they've got different looks, or perhaps they've got uh, different styles on the surround yes so yeah so fuji actually do um a range of different ones you can get black and white film for starters mm-hmm. um, but you can also get different frames for it like you know uh, so there's there's a new film that looks really cool it's like uh it's a black frame with some yellow writing on it like all contact sheets oh right yeah and uh and so the frames are numbered as well so these are the numbered one to ten so you know it's not always the same the writing so that looks that actually is pretty cool if you put them up mm-hmm. at home somewhere um 
you know. No, I really like the idea of it. It's just a bit of bit of fun, you know. Yeah, it's the focusing distance on nose is basically between thirty centimeters and infinity. Okay. You know, if you pull the um, the selfie lens out, it's basically between thirty and fifty centimeters where that focuses. And this is actually something I find difficult because my arms are too long for this. It's more of not to fifty. Yeah. Does it from there to about there? So yes. for any, so you want to hold it a little, for, just shy of an arm's length, yeah. isn't it? For any Japanese person, this might <laughs> <God>. be fine. <laughs> Cut that if you're listening. I'm not cutting that. Shouldn't anyway. have said it. <laughs> so you know, for any long-armed person, um, I get better results just using the you know the, the regular lens rather than pulling it out um, for selfies because obviously my arms are too long, my legs are too short. That's what I say. Well, there yeah. you go. So, um, cool, man. Yeah, it's and it doesn't break the bank. It's um, in the UK. This is sets you back about probably about ninety pounds. Oh, something like that. Yeah. Really? Is that, is that cheap? I think maybe maybe I got it on a good deal or something. But um, oh, I'm gonna get one then for that price. Yeah, I, I, I actually know more in the sort of I don't know why in like the two fifty range or something like that. Not at all. No, they're about they're about eighty quid um, or ninety quid or something like that. Maybe came. Did it come with two films as well or something like that? Oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to get yeah. myself one. So it's really um, it's really interesting. And I'm, Fuji... I'm going to come up with a way to make that viewfinder bigger. <laughs> well, Fuji are coming out with um, a brand new uh, Instax camera, by the way, uh, at some point later on this year, uh, called the uh, the Instax Evo, which will be really an interesting thing to look out for. Do you know what the differences between the two are going to be? Yeah, so the Evo is basically going to be sort of a really hypercharged um, instant camera. What well, that's going to be able to or allow you to do is uh, use it as a standard Instax camera, mm -hmm. but you can also use it as an Instax printer. Because at the moment you can buy standalone Instax printers that take the same mini film, or they also do um, a square version of that because they're different film formats. Yeah, and obviously different cam. You need a different cameras. So this one loads mini film, which is this kind of portrait yep. um, format. That's incidentally pretty much exactly the size of a credit card, which is great because you can get these. If you have a credit card holder like this, you um, oh, you're one of those guys. Just fit the yes. pictures there. I actually just brought this because I had some some other examples of shots that I've that I've taken over the holidays. Um, Do you have any shots where you're not wearing a check shirt? Yeah, this one. <laughs> Solo, good lad. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it is. It's fun. Anyway, the uh, Instax Evo basically functions as a an Instax camera and a printer, which means you can. I guess you print from your phone. Yes, you can connect your phone via Bluetooth to mm -hmm. the whole thing. And, you know, um, so that means, you know, you could um, pre-edit your shots, for example, before you send it to print and stuff like that. So it would be nice to see that. I'd love to test that and see the take a photo you know, with my phone. Wait, so can you transfer photos that you take on that to your phone, yes, edit you them and then print them back? Yeah, you could do that. Or you can... Obviously yeah, because it, it does normal. go both. So with the Evo, it does go both ways. It basically allows you to um, take a picture. It will print it out, of course, as it would do. But it will also then store a digital version of that, and you can send it to your phone. And then you could edit it and then send it back and print it again. You could do that. Or you could just take a photo on your phone and then send it to the camera to print. I'd love to see the how they, the, the, the look differences when mm. you do that. Because I'm most of the look comes from taking the photo on that yeah. camera, right, um, as well. So it will have its own look. Yeah. So, so I if mean, you could take the photo on that, yeah. it not print. Right. Which I'm, I'm wondering, it might be possible. We'll see. 
um, and then transfer it to phone, do any yeah. edits that you want to do. I think that... But at the same time, man, you can the give whole it, purpose... Well, that's that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, the, the whole purpose of this is is not really to edit anything. It's, no. The whole point is is that it that it's instant, yeah. you know? The whole beauty it, of it is... It's one thing it. if you really want to... You know, you love the shot or whatever, but you just want to edit a horrible spot that you've got out or something like that. I don't know. You know, that yeah. might... But otherwise, that's kind of... Yeah. They are what they are. I mean, you know, if you use to digital imagery, I mean, these are oh. not... I mean, they're not... In terms of sharpness, they're not anywhere near... I say they're soft. <laughs> yeah, they're very soft. But, you know, it's um, it's film. Yeah. You know, it's instant film. What do you expect? I tell you what I do like. I strive to get that in, in video. Mm. I tell you what I do like about uh, Fuji's Instax line um, compared to Polaroid is that, you know, the thing that's always annoyed me with Polaroids is that although I quite like the square format, Polaroid film has always had this magenta kind of tone to it, you know, mm. and and I've never really loved that, you know, and I like the Fuji colors better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have more of a yellow green um, hint, yeah, to them, don't they? Yeah, they definitely come out better, I and mean, that's you know, right. um, I find out really with with all of them, I just. That is more pleasing. Which is a, a better a better side to be mm. in this in this scenario anyway, yeah. because it's you know if you if you think of just think of movies, right? More often than not, a little a tiny little green gets added mm. in. They'll on the side of green yeah. and then yeah, magenta. You know the thing the thing about the magenta thing in Polaroids is that that's the Polaroid look. It's more cinematic. You know, yeah, and if that's yeah. you know if that's the kind of thing you dig, then then great. Um, I prefer this format as well than the Polaroids. If I'm if I'm honest. So Fuji do a square format, mm. um, which is, I think it's the SQ1 um, or SQ6, I can't remember, but there's a different line of cameras that basically um, shoot square film. The square film is a little bit more expensive. It's about a pound to two pounds more expensive uh, per per film. So you're probably adding about 10 pence on mm. per, per shot. Because it's slightly okay. larger. Because it's larger, yeah. yeah. Um, and also they don't do as many options. I think for the square film, it's, I think they just do one option. Maybe to do, I'm not even sure whether they do a black and white version for that. Okay. But it's, it's a lot more limited. Uh, they're really pushing this, a mini format. Yeah, yeah. You know. It's cool, man. And, um, and it works, yeah, it works well. So. I'll take a little look around. I might get one. We'll have to go do a little, little challenge between ourselves if we get oh, one. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That'd be so, good fun. So the, uh, you know, the insects mini films, they look a little bit like this. It's basically a cartridge. There's obviously an empty cartridge. But um, it loads within a second. Um, it's super easy. Sweet. You know, and um, I highly recommend it. If you want to have a little bit of fun. Remember, this really isn't a thing where you think of it in terms of like, oh, you know, I can't take a picture because I only have three pictures left, mm. or three shots left on this film. It's more like you have to actually go out there and, and use the thing because mm -hmm. that's where the enjoyment lies. You know, um, I've gone through several films by now. And I'm really super happy. And, I, and to be honest, I haven't fluffed up that many shots. So there was one where I was taking a picture of, of the dog and he was like perfectly still. And then of course, the moment I hit the shutter button, he was jumping up. So all I've got is mm. a leg <laughs> in the shots. Yeah. So that was, you know, money so, down the drain. That's it. But, you know, I'm just 
Don't feed the dog for a day and get the money back. (laughs) (laughs) Only kidding. And on that terrible disappointment. (laughs) Yeah, no dogs were harmed in the making of this episode. Anyway, so that is and was the uh, Instax Mini 40. We love this camera. Um, If you want to get into uh, Instax film or, you know, instant uh, film kind of photography, it's a really great way to start. Um, Other cameras are available. Of course, we're in no way sponsored by Fujifilm, but we love them. Indeed. And on that bombshell, that's it. We've come to the end of episode 90. And again, I say again, 90. 90 episodes. Almost your age. Almost my age. And only 10 away from the biggest party we were going to have. <laughs> 10 weeks time? Mm. <laughs> yeah, not sure about that. But anyway. Um, so and remember, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, please leave us a review. That'd be super awesome. Give us a little star rating. That would help us a lot. Um, and if you want to not only listen to our sultry voices on here, but um, see our pretty faces in full technicolor, make sure you head over to youtube.com forward slash camera shake. And uh, once you're there, why don't you just hit the uh, the like button, you know, click the bell, um, subscribe and all the rest of it. That'd be super awesome. With that being said, we shall see you again next week.